Hey, and welcome to the Baby Woman Indie Insider podcast. A very good morning to you all, if it is the morning that you're listening to this. It is the morning for me right now, I'm in my bedroom, where I always am, doing these podcasts. My name is Charlotte Carpenter, and the whole idea of the Indie Insider is that I'm interviewing artists, industry pros, decision makers, and generally, I'm going to share my tips. Any insider scoop that I might have on being an independent musician that might be able to help you. And I say this in every podcast because I want to make it perfectly clear that I am not an independent expert when it comes to music. I'm just one of you, and I'm here to learn and hopefully become you know a full-time musician because that's what it's all about and that's what we deserve and in today's episode i'm speaking with corey who is a manager and we dive into the very complicated world of management because how many of you listening have said to yourself all i need is a manager i'm putting my hand up over here because i've definitely said that and i've had a couple of them i've had maybe um i think two in my career so far Uh, Some incredible stuff and opportunities have come out of them, but, you know, I'm I'm talking in the past tense so you can work out that it didn't really uh, come to anything. And that's the hardest thing in management, I feel, to find the right person for you and find the person that's on, you know, on the same journey as you. So yeah, this is another episode of the Baby Woman Insider, but before I tell you all about today's guest, please go and subscribe to the podcast. And if you've got any specific guest requests or questions or topics you want answering on future episodes, reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Baby Woman Records. It really would mean the world to me if we just let people know that this podcast is out there doing its thing, trying to help them, really. But anyway, on today's episode, I'm speaking with Corey, who is a manager, and Corey has had a very interesting journey into music. They're from Italy and they came over to London and they kind of fell into management accidentally, but things are going well, so why the hell not? But Corey is a very, very genuine person and just from speaking to them for an hour or two, it was very clear to see how much passion they had for music and the artists they're working with. And I think this is a really valuable episode for other independent artists out there to just you know, hear from the horse's mouth, hear how they feel about management, how they got into management, the future of management. So here we go, this is today's episode, management. The whole idea of this episode um, is to talk about your journey in music, Mm -hmm. how you came to work in the industry, and also about your management company. Um, And I touched on it just at the beginning, because Managers can be a massive changing factor in an artist's career. And I've I've had a couple myself, like haven't really worked out. And I think it's a really personal decision and choice that you have to make. And um, yeah, I want to pick your brains on why the hell you're a manager. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I ask myself every morning (laughs) when I wake up. Uh, No, but absolutely happy to to run through that. And I'll, um, you know, I'm going to be as honest as possible because I that's what I look for also when I when I listen to podcasts or go to workshops or conferences and um, I'm not an artist myself I've never been and I'll never be because I'm not gifted with that uh, but I really 
have this symbiotic relationship with the artists I work with and um, and I really feel for artists and I really want to give yes the manager point of view but also be you know from the artist side because I you know I see a lot of things and I feel a lot of things so it's useless to you know sugarcoat them <laughs> just because it's not you know the, the way it is so well, that's good because I love transparency yeah so I, I love laying things out on the table even if they can be a little bit ugly or uncomfortable um, um but yeah so my name is Corey I'm originally from Italy and I moved to London uh five years ago uh, in October, it will be five years. And when I moved here, you know, you start with the usual suspect jobs. So, you know, you are a sales assistant, you work in a coffee shop, and you just start, you know, to make your head around how London works and what you need to do to survive. Um, and then uh, I really wanted to continue with literature, but then I was hurt because I couldn't move on with literature in Italy. So I was like, hmm, what's the other passion I have? I was like, oh, well. I used to work for an independent radio in Italy. I'm a music fan. And I was like, okay, what do you do if you're not an artist or a radio presenter? You know, there must be some other jobs you, you, you can do in the music industry. At the time, I didn't have any idea. So I actually Googled music industry jobs and a master came up from Westminster University. It was like an evening masterclass. So uh, it was two years part-time. I could have afford it. I could, you know, keep working while studying. So I was like, oh, okay. So there are, you know, so many things I don't understand that actually exist. You know, publishing, management, uh, life, the industry of life and marketing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to learn about this. And so I started my master in 2016. And uh, it was incredible just because, you know, my, my head broke up in two because I didn't know any of these. And, you know, when you are in London, it just feels more real because we would have guests talking to us and, you know, you could see it happening as you were studying it. And it was just crazy. Um, so you did this part time while still working kind of small jobs on uh, the side? Yeah, so I had two jobs, and then in the evening I was uh, doing the masters every Wednesday and Thursday, uh, and then I was working in a shop and in a coffee shop for the rest of the week. Yeah, it was quite quite tough, uh, but mm -hmm. it's totally worth it. Um, and then one day, like um, our teacher, our course leader Sally Ann Gross, who she's awesome uh, academic, she's an awesome lawyer, she's an awesome human being. She was like, you know, if you want to work in this industry, you need to work a lot and you need to be informed and you need to understand what this industry is about and learn who works in the industry and like and be prepared and take the chances and, you know, create your own opportunities as well. And I was like, hmm, that's really motivating. I really want to do that. So I started to do that and just, you know, kind of self teaching which were the gatekeepers of the UK industry what were the magazines I should read, you know, all of that, that very surgical, surgical job of doing what do I need to do to learn more. And then one day we had a guest speaker, uh, Adam Webb from Fanfare Alliance. Uh, that is a campaign that the uh, Music Manager Forum uh, launched uh, a few years ago that was against uh, secondary ticketing system and uh, oh, yeah. ticket outings. And so he was talking a bit about the campaign and about the uh, ticketing system in the music uh, business. 
And when he left, I was like, okay, I really, I'm really passionate about secondary ticketing because I think it's awful. So I really want to do something about it. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to drop an email as they told us to do. Drop email to guest speakers and they you know, probably will reply to you. So I did and I asked if he needed help and he actually said yes. So I couldn't believe uh, at that point and I had a meeting with him and Annabella, the CEO of the MMF, and they were the first people giving me a chance, you know, like I didn't have any background in music, any relevant background. I was still a student, not even past one year in the master, um, but they just gave me the first opportunity I've ever got in the industry and I'll, I'll never forget that. So I started to work for them. And I was helping Adam just collecting data. So I would monitor on um, release day of tickets, uh, all the secondary tickets website, pull out data, screenshots, and just like, you know, have, um, have a, a better understanding of what was happening in which platforms and maybe try to understand which were the sources of these, you know, secondary markets. And yeah. so I did that. But then you know, the, the, they were just so supportive of me and they started like to really kind of, yeah, just mentoring me while I wasn't even understanding that they were doing it. You know, like I, I just le was learning so much every day that I was in the office for two hours. I was still having my two jobs and it's been the most hectic period of my life. <laughs> and, and then that's when I learned about managers. You know, like that's when yeah. I was like, oh, okay, the music managers forum. Here are music managers, and sometimes they would have meetings, and I would overhear, and I would feel like, you know, I was like, you know, keep it cool, <laughs> but you know, you, <laughs> you you were like in this room hearing crazy stuff, and then they they invited me to the um, artist and manager awards, and that was fabulous the craziest day of my life, you know? <laughs> like, is this the music industry? Like, who am I? I'm still a sales assistant, you know? Like, what, what's happening here? And that's what when I started at the artists, What happens at the Artist Management Awards? Like, so what is that? Yeah, so it's this celebration organized by the Music Manager Forum, and there's also the Featured Artist Coalition involved. And they are awarding the breakthrough managers of the years, or breakthrough artists, like there are different uh, categories uh, to basically celebrate uh, all the different management companies or independent managers, grassroots artists that are breaking through. So it's literally a celebration. And, wow. um, and it's, you know, a beautiful beautiful party and everyone is there and the managers community it's extremely warm and inclusive that 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 was one of the things that most surprised me you know like people are just so supportive and i guess also you know these all new generations of of managers and and professionals and so i was there mingling and there was ollie alexander next to me and i was like oh <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this cannot be real um so yeah that was the real beginning um but management was still not in my radar like I, I did still didn't know that I wanted to be a, a manager um I was really focused on data so one day um the the office was shared with the featured artist coalitions and one day um I've got a friend a friend actually who has got something to do with that Roxanne Oh yeah, Roxanne. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's she's part of the, of of the 
of, of the FAC and she gives a lot of like workshops and talks like she's she's an ambassador of yeah she she books me to do a talk um in April but obviously it got cancelled because of everything um so I was gonna I was going to be in the AWOL offices at some point in oh, April yes in the sessions that we were supposed yeah, to yeah I'm yeah. hoping that they in you know in the maybe next year or something when that's back on that can be a thing because it, it sounded really promising yeah it's really good like the FAC it's like the MMF an incredible community but obviously it's more artists focused rather than yeah. than managers and um and we were sharing the office at um one day then Christmas came when we had the Christmas lunch and randomly Imogen Heap sits next to me in the pub in London Bridge and <laughs> there I was like losing it I was like Jesus I remember you know listening to high <laughs> going to high school on the bus in my CD yeah. player and then she was like hi I'm Imogen like she's great like Imogen is one of the most amazing human beings that I've ever met and I feel very lucky because since the early stage of my journey I met incredible and you know so inspiring people that really supported me and it's just great so she was there and you know just asking about myself what I did where I was from and I said I'm from Torino in northwest of Italy and she was like oh my my the one of the person in my team is from Torino she's Carlotta and you should definitely meet up you know and I was like, oh, yeah, that's weird. You know, Torino is quite a small city. So it's so like, okay, okay, that's it. And, you know, the Christmas celebrations move on. January, Carlotta, the Nini, who's now the CEO of uh, the Creative Passport, who's uh, a project run by Mycelia, who's this yeah. uh, platform um, owned, founded by Imogen Ip. She walked in and she was like, oh, Imogen said you're from Torino and that we should meet. Like yes, <laughs> we probably should. Uh, so we started to hang out, and she's another incredible person, like so young and you know so fierce, so, so prepared. And she was like, "Oh, you know, I have this project. It's called the Life of a Song, and I really want to understand uh, the earnings of uh, hide and seek and how a song is breaking down. You know, publishing, recording, and create a platform to." Um, make people learn about all of this and I was like you know it's me you know I want to work with this I want to help you with this so uh, we did and we spoke with Westminster University and we created a research group around this and Life of a Song has been my first you know real project in the music industry like that's when I started to meet industry people and that's when I started to have meeting and um, just understanding what it was about it was just an incredible opportunity and it went over for a year until the project was then finalized i'm writing down so many notes as you talk right now because i'm like okay creative passport life of a song i need to know what all these things are <laughs> yeah so tell me if i if i talk too much or you know no, no no it's it's really lovely to be able to get a little bit of history on you i'm really enjoying it um just because yeah it's i, I feel that uh, sometimes i feel it's it, it happened like almost like a fairy tale and you know mm. it makes sense to to just say what happened that was completely random you know completely random everything that happened was so but you, random but you were there you know and <laughs> yeah you were there and, and, and from from what I can kind of gather so far is that the opportunity was something that you found yourself because you asked for it yeah 
absolutely and, and like, that's how and that's how all of these incredible things then went on to occur yeah no I was I, I I'm still sorry I, I still am very eager you know like I want to grab opportunities I want to live everything at the fullest and this is a benediction and a curse for sure um, <laughs> and maybe we can talk about this later but, uh, you definitely can but yeah so creative passport so at that point I was like okay data publishing and that's when I was starting to say okay maybe this is the you know my my path is is intellectual property and what comes with it um then I was still studying and at some point we had to do a marketing uh, assignment and uh, we had to build a marketing campaign around an independent artist and at the time um an artist uh, came to play in the cafe where I used to work and uh, I made my marketing plan uh, around him and his name is uh, Josh Savage. Um, oh, what a Josh. Yeah. So um, I made, a, like he played a sofa sounds in the cafe where I used to work. I had to do this marketing plan. I just found him very interesting. So I created a marketing plan. And then when I finished it, I sent it over to him. And I was like, look, I did this. If it's of any, you know, utility, please go ahead and, and use it. And then we met, we met up and he was like, oh, you know, you quite, you know, understood what I am about. Why don't, would you like to start helping me out, having some meetings? And that's when I started to go into management without even realizing it. Amazing. So um, Josh was obviously the first experience and, uh, you know, I was very you know, like still immature, I was learning, I was building up my network mm -hmm. and uh, he was owning most of the project also because, you know, he's the independent artist per se, you know, so I was mostly helping out but not really owning or leading the project and that allowed me to learn a lot. Um, and so that started. So I had, I was juggling, you know, many things. So my, still my normal jobs like non-music related jobs my internships with the MMF starting to help Josh and working with my Celia you know it was like a real wow, busy yeah like it was very crazy but all of those things were like teaching me so much then I was helping another band with social media because I was very hungry of learning like what do I want to do in this industry you know everything sounds so cool but there must be something that I really want to do so I was trying out and then, um, you know, I started to um, have some uh, job interviews. They didn't really went well because of lack of experience mostly. So it was quite, you know, challenging. And then in August 2017, um, one of the customers of my cafe where I used to work uh, reached out on Facebook and was like, oh, I remember you studied music industry and that. Uh, music business and that you have um, knowledge of publishing at Cobalt we are looking for an Italian speaker for our copyright team why don't you apply wow it's <laughs> like one of the biggest companies yeah and it came to you because you worked at the coffee shop and well they exactly. obviously they obviously saw something in you they actually saw that you know this person works hard and we like them yeah it's it's crazy because you know I, I was going to all the conferences and God knows how much I spent to go to all the conferences and know all the people and go to all the networking events and it surely 
helped in the long run. Like now, after three years, I have met so many people. I have good relationships. I'm really aware of the industry. But back then, I was doing that to get a job. And that never got me a job. And then the day that I got this opportunity by someone who's, you know, coming to the coffee shop I used to work, I was like, the universe is funny, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) You know, Uh, so I applied and I got my first job in the music industry. Straight in at Cobalt. Straight in at Cobalt. (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. And it was crazy, you know, because obviously in those, during those years, uh, every conference, every meetup, every networking event, you would hear about COBOL during our courses, you know, they would speak about COBOL. Like, you know, I was not believing it because I was such a fan of Willard and, you know, all, all what COBOL was about. So I couldn't really believe uh, what was happening to me. Um, but then obviously, as that first full-time job in in the music came and it was so important for me I had to put hold on the management side because uh, I couldn't just keep up with everything you know like what I always wanted to happen having a job in music happened and I needed to give a hundred percent of myself to it and so we uh, Josh and I parted ways mm-hmm. um, in good terms in the sense that he also moved to Germany so it would have been even harder, you know, for us yeah. to keep working together. And so at, at that point, I was like, okay, it was nice to manage. Uh, I loved it so much, you know, following him on tours and festivals and, you know, all of that. But now I have this job and I need to be focused on it. Yeah. Relationships come and go, you know, in this industry. I think yeah. you've got to make, make the most of the time that you've got with these really cool people, but also be aware that life happens as well. Yeah, exactly. So I learned so much uh, and I learned that as well. Uh, So I started to work and it was, you know, pure intellectual property. I was managing the um, uh, Cobalt repertoire in Italy, so liaising with the Italian Collection Society, CIL. So quite an admin job, but it taught me so much about publishing and intellectual property and that will never get, you know, I'll never lose that. It's like riding a bike when you learn publishing then you never forget it. It's there for you, <laughs> with you forever. Um, and so that, that was, uh, yeah, the turning point of my life. Um, and then I started, um, so basically during the course at Westminster, I really bonded with um, a, a girl, Marie, and she dropped after one year. But then we were always like being orbiting around each other. I just like always really liked her. And she really liked me a bit, you know, the misfits of the situation. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, she was, she is a singer as well. And I was like, okay, um, I can, you know, book you for a night in my cafe. And so she came with the loop pedal and the guitar. So now I'm doing a, you know, flashback before (laughs) Cobble, just to give you context. Um, And she did perform in the cafe, you know, in front of, 10 people but mm-hmm. I was putting on nights and I was so proud of my nights you know what, what were your nights called um it was just like live and Zifferblatt. Zifferblatt was the place where I used to work so I, I was like Zifferblatt. How, how do you spell that uh, I'm gonna type it for you oh yeah sure thing um oh yeah I can see it 
because while I was in this place, you know, I was like, I'm in London. I have a space I can do anything I want with. You know, I'm just going to go crazy and organize poetry nights and, you know, uh, concerts and whatever, like art class. Like I was on a very, like, I don't know, hyped moment of my living the London dream, you know, when you come here, <laughs> especially coming from a very tiny countryside village in Italy, you know, I can hear and it was, whoa, you know, Alice in Wonderland, literally. Um, so I did that and she did. And then um, Josh needed an opening act for a gig at St. Pancras Old Church. And I was like, oh, I actually know this girl, Marie, she's really good. And so she performed there. And when I saw her performing, opening for Josh at St. Pancras Old Church, I was like, you know, the, the gods were just like shrinking my heart and belly. And I was like, I, uh, I need to, to work with this person, you know, and, and support her and be a fan and, you know, and keep, you know, being around her. Uh, but at that point, I still wasn't thinking about management. So I was just like, you know, working with Josh and I had this person in mind and I was just like checking on her and, you know, hanging out with her. Then uh, fast forward. Uh, I'm like six months in my job at Cobble and uh, me and Marie keep hanging, you know, out and just like keep checking in. And then um, I, I hear the first demo of, of, of her song. Like she used to, she went on a writing retreat and she wrote a lot. And, um, and I was like, okay, Marie, I, I need to work with you. I can see so much potential and I, and I need to help you be heard, you know, uh, yeah. in, in the world. Like, I need to work with you. I need to su support you. And so I started to work with her uh, so deeply. And obviously, we were friends before. And I think that's kind of what's really special for me as a manager with, with her. Uh, we were friends. And that really takes out a lot of, you know, trust conversation you may want to have with someone that you want to work with and uh, something I learned is that usually your team is already around you and you just don't see that so um, I would that's, highly... a, that's a really incredible piece of advice especially for artists to hear because they might not be realizing how much they can utilize the people around them yeah and so much of what you just said it makes me feel like your desire to go into management was from such a pure place exactly exactly and um you know that's that's why i you know i struggled for a long time to be called manager it actually happened what a few months ago because i was still wanted to be the mentor and i was so scared that by being manager maybe the relationship would have turned I don't know, change somehow, or I don't know. So for a long time, I was the mentor. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, you know, so, uh, but it was amazing. And I, I, you know, I remember, you know, she wanted to release her music so bad. This was 2018. I was like, no, Marie, we really need to understand what you're about. Who are you? Uh, you know, we need to be patient and take our time to realize what you are. And I'll never forget, you know, when, I went for a meeting in her place and she showed me all her diaries with all the lyrics and all the concepts around her EPs and music and, you know, when, how she decided her name, Geist, and mm -hmm. what she was about. And 
Charlotte, I was just like mind blown, you know, and I was like, I need to facilitate all of this happening. You know, I'm good at networking. I'm good at meeting people. I'm good at finding opportunities. I need to do this for her because I want this to you know, go out and happen. And so we worked, you know, with a lot of blank pages and write who we were, what we were about, uh, in which, you know, blogs she would like to be featured, like a lot mm. of exercise around that. And I think that if I can give an advice to any independent artist is that even if it's really hard, be patient and really understand what you are about. And I know it's very frustrating because I feel that sometimes the songs you write can sound old so quickly and maybe by the time you you release them you're not there anymore and I I totally understand this frustration Um, but it's so important to really work on the development of your imagery of your artist persona because that's then what's going to make the difference in just you know release for the sake of releasing or releasing because you're announcing a project and people will be ready to hear that project because you worked on that so um you know that's been the biggest challenge just to you know keep be mm-hmm. patient and you know find uh, producers and find uh, marketing ideas and save some money to do stuff uh so we did that and um and you just gave me like a whole heap of incredible sound bites just there <laughs> I was like, this is what independent artists need to hear because it, because as well, I don't know, I feel like you're the kind of manager that's going to understand the artist's point of view because it sounds like you're quite, um, I don't know, it just sounds like you're quite in tune with us, which is, which is refreshing to hear and feel. And it, in a society that we, well, in an industry that we're currently going through, music has never felt more disposable and it can be very, very easy for artists to throw singles out and that's it and and I've been I've been a part of that system you know Mm -hmm. like I've been told that albums are dead and it's all about singles and I don't agree with that personally but I've definitely been an artist that feels like that is what that's the way to go and you can just throw songs out for the sake of it and sometimes you hit gold and good things come back to you and you get radio play you didn't think you would etc which is cool but then I've also threw singles out I've done a small campaign I've done a small tour but then it's just over yeah you know and you really have to think about how can I make this song have longevity and that sounds like that's what you've been doing with Marie yeah absolutely like uh you know She's an, in, an independent artist and I'm an, an independent manager. So it means that, you know, being completely honest, there's no really money, you know, that we can invest from both sides. And when there is usually it's like, okay, let's do this for the video or let's, you know, put some money together and do a little of independent PR, you know, like it's, yeah. it's very, um, very tiny. But um, that's my my motto is like, Okay, we don't have the money. We won't have it anytime soon. We can apply for funding, but still it's too early for funding. Like, I just try to be very realistic. And it's like, what can you do at your best right now to enhance your career? And sometimes I feel that rather than sitting and say, oh, we don't have money for a PR campaign. We don't have money for this. Or we cannot, you know, push this release. It's like, let's do the best that we can with what we have. And it's 
build your project, you know, make it credible, make it real, uh, start to find your voice, start to find your audience, understand what your audience is. And these are all things that, you know, you can actually do for free, you know, like it's, it's just, yes, I'm like, I'm clicking my fingers over here in my bedroom, just like, these, <laughs> these like, these are things that I constantly um, tell artists I'm working with on, on baby woman records as well. You know, like, there's this massive myth that I've working with artists and like, we need PR, we need this, we need that. And I'm like, yeah, don't get me wrong. We all need this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but where's the money coming from? Yeah. Like we haven't got the money for this. And, and I've actually been in a position in the past where I have paid thousands and thousands of pounds on PR and radio and some really good stuff has come off of it. But then also I look back and think, wow, that was a lot of money. And, you know, did I really get what I wanted? You know, like, and you have to really start managing your expectations and think, well, actually what that experience taught me was that I need to be building relationships. Yes. Yeah maybe when the time comes and there's a lot to play for and there's a big tour and maybe there's some support and all these things are ticking at the same time PR and radio is going to make sense but right now what can we do with what we've got which is what you've just said and it's so refreshing to hear someone working in management say that no I I, I truly believe in that because you know I I'm an uh, there are so many directions I want to go, so stop me anytime. I'm, I'm like, no, no, you're doing uh, great. Probably uh, too much, but um, I, I have anxiety, and you know, music industry and anxiety are best friends. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I really want to do this, but I can feel kicking it in. So how can I man- manage it, managing it for myself and for the artists I work with? And really be realistic, define your success, baby steps. Like I, of course, want to have Geist or Lolash on a billboard in Shoreditch. Like, obviously, you know, that's what I want. But for me, it's, you know, the success is having one person that is not a friend of mine sharing her song on Instagram. That for me, it's success already, you know, Uh, that's really how I try to work with them is like think small thinking small doesn't mean not having ambitions you know it means be kind with yourself kind with your project and keep it sustainable because maybe one day it's gonna get to a point that you know you have to think big because big things are happening but at least you're gonna be trained in you know dealing with all of this mm-hmm. and um, so I'm really trying to nourishing them as much as I can and be as grounded as I can as a manager and this is just really good for them as well you know just to keep them as as tranquil and serene as possible about this you know and sometimes I see the struggle of artists is that it feels that if the artist is not happening then they are not happening as humans and I'm really trying to kind of always you know, repeat themselves is like, you know, your artist is a, an aspect of your persona. It's an expression, you know, but, you know, you first exist as Marie and then, you know, Geist is an expression of Marie or, you know, Lorenzo and Lola, she's an expression. And I think this is really important, especially to do it at a very early stage, because then I feel it may give you tools to then manage 
when things get bigger, you know, and that when it's even harder to keep boundaries in what you do and, you know. That is such a healthy, it's one of the, it's one of the healthiest outlooks that I've ever heard to being a musician. And, and let me tell you, it is, I mean, I don't even need to tell you because I think, you know, it is very, very difficult when so much of your personal life feels defined by what you do. Yeah. And like as a musician and I've, I've, I'm not so much, I don't so much feel this way anymore. Now I'm a little bit older, but when I was younger, I was definitely like, well, I can't move out of my mum's house because I haven't got enough money because my music isn't giving me any money. And I can't go on holiday because I haven't got any money because my music's not giving me any money. And you know, you go through all of these and I definitely have felt held back because I felt like my music career wasn't pushing me in the direction I wanted to. And that actually sent me into depression and anxiety. And I thought, what the hell? And actually, when I when I really kind of started peeling off the layers of that anxiety, I realized that I just wasn't having fun. I was putting far too much pressure on my music career at a time where it should not have had that. And I feel like every artist has to go through it. And I'm sure that even though I'm not in that headspace right now, in years from now, I probably will go through it again because that's just what the devil of the music industry wants to do to us. But it was just... I had to really just sit back and think you are you're a human being you have a partner and you have a small job which you don't want to be there forever but that's what's allowing you and your partner to be together right now and that's okay you can manage all of these things at once you don't have to you don't just have to be one thing all of the time exactly and you know as a manager you know like I feel that I don't know this is my one of the, one of my biggest responsibilities is you know to support the artists I work with to navigate uh, their their being artists like I I will never fully understand it surely uh, but I I just want to make sure that you know they 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 are feeling empowered and that you know their their music project shouldn't be their burden it should be their you know fun their their passion you know. Uh, and I really try to to do yeah to to make it as light as I can for them you know and uh, sometimes how, how do you like how do you manage such a personal relationship as well as managing a business relationship yeah so it's it's about knowing them really well and I I understand that I come from a very privileged point of view because obviously like Marie has been my friend for quite a long time before I started to manage her and the other artist I work with Lorenzo I actually when I moved in with my partner um, his flatmate was Lorenzo so we started to live together and I was just like you know overhearing his beats and I was like oh gosh this music is so great oh no I'm feeling those you know butterflies in my stomach again oh I really want to work with him (laughs) you know like that's a bit how it happens and obviously you know with Lorenzo, we were living together. So, you know, an incredible friendship there as well. Um, so it really helps. But uh, to give more of a general, you know, kind of point of view is that uh, manage boundaries is key because I've learned it the hard way. Like, you know, as a manager, you also need to back off and have some communication boundaries, some little, how to say, some little tricks, some little 
you know, allocated times for things to happen just because otherwise you can literally stay on the phone 24-7 with them uh, between working admin, uh, talking admin and talking feelings. So it's, uh, it's a hard balance to get. Um, but what I would say, like, you know, as a manager, remember that you're dealing with a person, you know, and that this person, you know, maybe for you, it may feel so easy uh, to make a 10 seconds video for an Instagram takeover, but for them, maybe the day is not. And I think as a manager, you should be very open to understand the pace of your artist and understand when it may be a good day and when it may be a not so good day and respect that. And I think that as a manager, you should manage this with the expectations of the industry. You know, so your job is like, how can I present opportunities to the artists I work with in a way that they're happy to do it, they don't feel it like, you know, a burden, and how I can then manage the other party, you know, requesting me those things from, from my artists. And I think that's key, like, keep that fun, passion, dialogue open. And, you know, it's a job, but don't make it sound like a job. Um, otherwise then I felt that, you know, you, you put pressure and things don't work out and, you know, it's just, um, really, really, you know, bad and stinky for everyone. Uh, so <laughs> can, uh, can you give any sort of, um, I know you mentioned how you kind of sit down with your artists and you think about the things that you want to achieve and how you can do them, especially if there's no budget. Can you give us some sort of idea of things that you have been able to achieve with that mindset? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that uh, first first things first was um, having the first live shows booked. So nothing was out there, but we did a great research of all the venues, all the promoters, and uh, just try to understand where your music can be broadcasted as well. Obviously, now it's the time that we are in, but you can translate this to the digital outlets as well somehow. But like understand where you fit. And so I live on spreadsheets. So I highly recommend to have a lot of spreadsheets. Nice. And just put down everything that you think about that, that you think of when you project your, you know, your next steps. Uh, so it was understanding the venues and promoters and get uh, her booked in. You know, without even having music out, but just some SoundCloud links. And that was a testament that we were doing well on, you know, building the, the, the artist and the vision, you know. And what, kind, was... of, what kind of venues and, and promoters were they? Uh, so uh, Parallel Lines have been incredible. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, they've been incredible supporters uh, since day zero. Um, Scruff of the Neck. Lovely, yeah. Amazing as well, you know, finding supporting slots. And then there are some venues just doing, you know, independent uh, promoting, like they promote themselves. So uh, like Islington Assembly, uh, sorry, not Islington Assembly, please erase this. Uh, the Islington. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Islington puts up night. Um, Siegfried from Underbelly, that was one as well. Um, and then some other uh, independent promoters that, I don't know. I don't want to name the names for not yeah. the good things, but uh, be aware of who you work with. Like, you know, yeah. really try and understand with who you're working with and you're going to have to make some mistakes and, you know, that it's worth it. You know, it, it sucks, you have, but it's worth yeah, it. Yeah, like you have to be open to mistakes. Yeah. Like how the hell are you going to 
Absolutely. Be gentle with yourself. So (laughs) life uh, was the really good thing. And then, um, you know, not having a lot of uh, PR budget, uh, what I do is, you know, I build my relationships through my job, through my going to conferences and working and just be supportive of other people as well. That's how you build relationship, you know, like get in your scene and uh, start supporting people that you would like their support from you know it's 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 a community the music industry is a community made by humans so you know we we shouldn't forget that and um start building relationship ahead and then that it led um to i don't know uh, good features or placements uh i don't know for instance get in her ears uh, that is an amazing platforms yeah we're big fans of those guys yeah you know wonderful wonderful people absolutely shout out to them and you know i did my research and i was like oh this platform is amazing i'm gonna start following them and you know understand what they are about and resonate with their content and then reach out and then they've been you know amazingly fantastic so that's another tip is like find the people you like the support from and you know build a relationship not just you know drop a request because no one likes that um and then you know the first uh what to say like there's a lot of frustration as well because when you when you try to reach out to blogs for instance um without a pr company uh on your back uh, you know, you may use a platform like some MeetHub or MuseSoup because that's how... I've actually how... never used of MeetHub. Is, that, is it useful? Like, what is it? Look, it's, it's the way a lot of blogs want the music to be pitched. So you cannot really send them any other ways, uh, your music. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it, it gives results. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's useful because sometimes you can build relationships with the blogs. So that's really good. Uh, but it can be frustrating and that's another thing that I had to manage you know when you maybe submit your song to 10 12 blogs and they all decline it and then it comes oh this song's you know sucks and I don't want to put it out anymore because no one likes it so it's it's very tough to do PR independently but you can still do it um I found myself um MusoSoup is working a bit better uh, mainly because you have a 30 days campaign so you actually put your single out and then bloggers and writers approach you if they're interested oh, so, wow. um, it's kind of the other way around exactly so it's a bit healthier in in that game of accepting the, the client if it makes sense and also it's it helps you not to focus everything on pre-release but as you mentioned earlier you know, after Friday, your song is still alive. So, you know, there's so much more to say. And, you know, many people can pick it up uh, a week after, two weeks after, and it's still, you know, relevant. And that's Muso Soup, did you say? Yeah, Muso Soup. And I've been using that lately, and I find it quite quite good. You know, like, it's 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 working. Um so that's 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 it and i think i lost a bit my way it was your the question was just kind uh, of an example of some of the things you've achieved oh yeah doing and doing things completely independently yeah and then uh another things that was awesome is that uh i would highly recommend everyone to set up uh, adverts on uh, the platform that it's uh, most important for you um because if you nail that and you really need small budget is like five pounds a day uh, for like two weeks and um 
that can really make a difference and it works for us. And then it just triggers organic following because, you know, of the way algorithm works and how content is fed uh, to us um so I have, a, work- I have a really great um a great friend who works with me on some record label stuff called alex rule mm-hmm. um she, she does another podcast with me on my on my solo artist side um but she is like an advert queen she really knows <laughs> stuff and like she was like yeah we just need to like set you up some ads and i was like yeah i've never done them before this is maybe like two years ago when we started making like video content together and stuff because she works um, in the VR industry as nice. well as the film industry so she's she knows her way around a lot of stuff and um as soon as we started doing ads together I was just like whoa okay yeah. this actually works and <laughs> I, m- I remember doing my first baby web- uh, baby woman records uh, gig in- last June in Birmingham and I was trying to get some more pre-sales and she was like, yep, yeah, we need to do targeting ads. And we set up like five different versions of the same ad in exactly. different, like, <laughs> different demographics and with different language, different photos. And the pre-sales just jumped through the roof. And I was like, okay, I need to really step up my ad game. Yeah, so that's the advice I give everyone. Step up the ad game because what, what we did, we did it on Instagram because that's the strongest platform that we have. Mm-hmm. And that started to be reflected on followers on spotify and youtube we were working on spotify but youtube came naturally and that what blew my mind you know it was like people are actually actively looking for her in other platforms you know mm-hmm. and that's amazing so uh, adverts are literally a little investment that you can do that is going to be quite rewarding so that's probably a, a piece of advice i can give it's especially if you want to grow your, you know, your Spotify following, because then everyone who follows you will have your music in the library when you release it. So it's a good strategic uh, way and absolutely make more version of ads with different audience and then see what works. Um, and that definitely worked a lot. And then, yeah, and then we, we landed our first editorial playlist one, one month ago. Yay, which one? <laughs> uh, Fresh Finds, Indie. Uh, yeah and that was like I called her and I was you know over the moon and she was like oh yeah it makes me smile how these things make you happy (laughs) and (laughs) was that from your hard work at at AWOL and COBOL or like how did you get that we like I really don't know how that happened because it was two weeks after the release so usually you know placements happen I don't know, you know, the new Music Friday round is that. Uh, mm-hmm. Distributors such as AVOL do send uh, music for playlist considerations, you know. But, uh, you know, I was quite, you know, I understand that there are priorities every Friday from different companies. You know, it's quite a tough job. Um, but then I think it was just cracking the activity, you know. Like, I think that when you show that for a few months you have a growing stream counts, a growing followers, growing monthly listeners, more placements on independent playlists. And that it's so important. Like, again, before aiming to the big, aim to the small. Like, that's gold. And when they see that activity, I feel that then, you know, you get picked up, I guess. That's, you know, how it works with data, I -hmm. think. Um, but do you have was... any sorry to interrupt Corey. Yeah. um i'm wondering like all these things that you're saying to me 
are such important steps for an independent artist to take and I think it's really easy for us to forget how small these these steps are and I know we've we've touched on it not so long ago about how much um kind of to lay your foundations right before you aim for the bigger stuff and I'd be really interested to know from a manager's perspective is because it sounds as if you're very 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 happy taking these small steps because you can see the long-term vision but from your own personal perspective and this could be putting your artists to one side for a second is there anything as an artist manager that you really want to achieve yes so uh, I think that what I would love to achieve is a good supporting tour that's what I would love so I would love to achieve the the well obviously you know always being mindful of the current situation uh, this yeah. is more like I, I, yeah, no, it's touring for a while. <laughs> uh, ideally um it would be uh you know be picked up by a booking agent and uh give her the platform live um i think that's that's what i would that's what i'm working towards uh, yeah. let's say and um you know this year we had the first two festivals, Liverpool Sound City Festival and uh, one in France, uh, Ramatuil Festival. There's some pretty big festivals. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they they obviously got cancelled or postponed. Uh, But that was my biggest joy. Like, the the idea of having her performing in front of strangers. Uh, And also, you know, before the lockdown happened, uh, through Parallel Lines, for instance, we had an amazing opportunity uh, at Omira, opening for uh, Isaac Delusion. Wow. And, you know, it was the first time, at, like, me seeing her at Omira, I kind of cried for an hour and 40 minutes because I just couldn't put together the two informations. And, um, you know, it was a sold-out show. So there was literally, you know, no one from our crew. Like, it was just me and a couple of friends in guest list. And, you know, when I saw her performing in front of people that didn't know her at all and these people were dancing and clapping you know and trying to reach out to her in the stage the 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 joy and pride and fulfillment I felt in that moment like I I it's so hard to describe and that's what I want to recreate and you know that that's what makes a difference and that's what it started to you know, when I wanted to work with her in the first place, what well, to see that happen, you know? And when I saw that happening, I was like, that's exactly what we need to work towards, you know? And the same thing happened with uh, the other artists I managed, Lolash. He had an incredible supporting act opportunity by AGMP, mm-hmm. uh, who are a very good independent promoter as well. And he supported Anomaly, um, who's an incredible uh, Canadian artist and producer in the UK tour mm-hmm. and it was my first tour and just you know seeing what the magic that happens during the good live sets and when promoters actually match audiences mm-hmm. that's key so yeah definitely one one thing I'm working towards for both of them when things are over is to build up their profile in a way that and their digital traction that to then secure um, life's life's lots. 
that kind of takes me on to um, another question you just said because you're kind of touching me on the idea of independent artists being able to um, kind of build a team and that's essentially what you're helping your artists do Um, but when do you think is the right time for an artist to have a manager because it's been said to me time and time again all I need is a manager I'm trying to find a manager so there's there's actually two questions to this a Mm -hmm. Should artists approach managers or should it be the other way around? And two, when is the right time for an artist to have a manager? Yeah. So um, in my personal experience, um, I feel that usually always talking on an independent grassroots level, um, managers fall in love with artists, you know, and usually you understand that you need a manager when you start having people wanting to work with you even just if it's helping you with social media or helping you with your emails or helping you with your PRS registration, you know, like it always starts like that. Um, So I feel that, you know, for some time, the the artists should work on understanding what they are about and have some music as well, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to to share with people. Mm -hmm. Um, If you really want to work with a manager, do your research. And, uh, you know, reach out to managers that, you know, you you think that could be a good fit for your project if you want, you know, a manager that is up and running. Uh, Just because I personally have sometimes requests and, you know, it's just, for me, it's it's a relationship, you know, it's like falling in love and it's not something that, oh, you you drop me a message and it happens, you know, it's it's much more a complicated uh, relationship. So... Definitely take a bit of time to really understand your project, the lifespan of your project, like try to be as long term as possible. Things can change, but, you know, try and think over a year time, like where you want to be in two years, what's going to happen in two years. Try and have those foundations down and then a manager can help you unfold them and, you know, make them happen or put them in order, whatever. But try to have that. And uh, again, as I said, Usually, it's easy to find your team around your friends. So if you have a friend who's interested in, you know, in data or in social media or in live or whatever, it's good to ask for help. And this is usually at least you can start having an idea of what it means to work with someone on your project. So even if they don't end up being your manager, you start to understand what you look for in a manager. And if you're ready to have a manager, uh, my realization is that uh, with all the artists I've been working with, it's very hard to let it go and to delegate because obviously you've been working on it for such a long time and it's your lifetime project. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely when you feel like letting it go, it's a good sign that you find the person that you want to work with. Um, and take your time and, you know, take time to trial the people you work with as well. You know, it should be uh, two ways. Thing. you know if you start working with someone um make sure that i don't know for three to six months you're just testing each other before entering into a contract or you know into a more serious relationship um because it do you, can take, do you yeah. have contractual agreements with your artists i do have uh contracts uh in the sense that we have um agreements on how our relationship should look like once 
their project is sustainable <laughs> and running. Um, so at this moment, you know, I have a full-time job at ABLE. This is how I sustain myself. And mm -hmm. this is what allows me to invest uh, a bit on my artists as well. They are completely committed and they are, you know, putting a lot of efforts in the project as well. And for me now, the priority is to make their career sustainable. Uh, then when that will happen, we can have a conversation and, you know, and we have bases on how the conversation will happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, for now, my profit is not on the agenda. I, no. I don't know if I should <laughs> say that. Uh, no, there's nothing that's very, very open and honest thing but, to say. But yeah, you know, like I have my salary and it's fine. And then when, when they'll be able to pay my commission, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. praise all the gods you know it's yay it's gonna be awesome uh but do that like you know and again this is my personal experience and you know i have very peculiar relationship with the artists i work with but i'm a fan of you know putting down guidelines putting out deals or agreements you know or letter of directions on how things should be because it's always useful to have that thing written down and agreed by and both you parties and are you the kind of uh, manager who um, do you want your artists to sign publishing deals or record deals? Like where, because every every manager has kind of their own agenda or their kind of thing that they want their artists to do. And it's kind of common knowledge that to be able for managers to be able to source income, sometimes that deals have to be signed and things have to be kind of given away. So where do you sit on the whole idea of giving rights away and giving percentages away? Yeah, so um, I'm really trying to keep them as independent as possible. Um, obviously, it comes a time when you need some sort of investment. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, you're just a bit stuck. Um, so I'm starting to have conversation with both of them and just trying to understand, you know, what would be a good deal. Um, I, I am not against that. Uh, again, I'm realistic that I understand that we could do some support from, you know, an independent label or an independent publisher because that's, you know, that there's as much as we can do as a team, my artist and me, and then you will need extra help from someone else. And I understand that we don't have quite yet the bargain power, you know, to do things at our own terms. Um, so I'm just trying to do my research and see also for new opportunities, new communities, new models of doing things. Mm -hmm. And but I'm not, again, rushing uh, just because I feel that, uh, you know, the, there are boxes to tick, but, you know, it shouldn't be OK, I, uh, I did the first release. Now I need a publishing deal. Now I need a record deal. Like you always need to think that you are independent. Like I am a two team team. It's me and the artist. And, you know, we need to write down our agenda, see our priorities and work towards those goals. But, you know, really take, take your time because I don't want just to rush into a deal for the sake of doing it. Uh, but definitely I'm looking for advocates and, and allies uh, because, you know, I'm I'm not a fan of, you know, not asking for help uh, because that's yeah. that's a bit how I'm finding myself. Um, you know, at the moment, you know, my artists are kind of co-managing themselves with my, with me because uh, I know that there are a lot other managers that have full-time jobs and they manage artists. You know, and there's as much time as you have in a in a working day. Um, so they're doing a lot of things and it's a proper teamwork. Mm 
And, you know, I'm always trying to do the exercise and see, look back at where we were 12 months ago, look what we achieved. And it's only the two of us, you know, this is great. So it's, you know, really try to understand what your next move should be and how to get there. And I'm really trying to get things as organically and naturally as possible, you know, rather than push it just for the sake of having it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit my strategy right now. It's that's such a powerful thing, you know, such a for someone for, for, to hear managers say things that you kind of all the things you're saying to me are kind of things I've been thinking or things I've been told over the years but you know we're we're told so many conflicting things all the time and it's it's just so refreshing to hear from someone who is working so closely with artists and helping them achieve these massive things that that is the right way to go you know like authenticity is such a massive thing and to grow your career organically I feel like you're in it for the long game that way yeah and you know I totally understand it it can be so frustrating and so tiring you know because this industry is so quick and fast and you feel you miss out every single day that you don't do something you know every Mm -hmm. single day you don't put an Instagram post you missed out and maybe that person that could have seen you didn't and you lost your opportunity you know (laughs) like and and that's so not good uh you know so I'm really trying to be as careful as I can and just manage expectations as well. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's so important because if you manage your expectations well, then you don't put too much weight on yourself and you perform better, you know? Yeah. And that's the key is like, you know, always understand where you're at. What are your, you know, your means right now? What's your budget? What's your team? And then, you know, work on these things and whatever you achieve, know that it's really good because you're doing that on your own or with the help of another couple of people, you know, so it's great. And and I think that there's not enough of this positivity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, around and it's more like, oh, I got a radio play. That's it. What's next? Oh, I got the blog featured. What's next? Uh, like everything lasts mm-hmm. 24 hours on an Instagram stories, but it's not like every single thing you achieve for as tiny as it is, it's another little brick on your path, you know? It's there. It doesn't matter how small it is, but in the long run, it will be part of a bigger project. And that's what I really try to do, to do with, with the artists I work with, you know? like it's and, and, and I think that even if you're doing that on your own, as like a solo artist, you kind of... I would advise to exercise to detach yourself from yourself and treat yourself as if you were treating a friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if your friend was doing what you are doing, probably you would cheer them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, rather than beat them up. So I, I kind of, you know, encourage this kind of behavior and detach yourself from yourself and witness what you're doing, uh, that it's not tiny, even if it looks like. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting yeah. here smiling because um my my girlfriend actually tells me off all the time for this <laughs> it's like like when really massive things have happened um she's just like okay let's go out for dinner let's go celebrate because you're just gonna sit here and think about how you can better your career with this news and you just need to take a minute and have a beer and let's go out for dinner and and she's she she's really 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 good at 
making so sure good. I do do that because even when um you know I've, I've done some cool things over the years and I can see myself where I can see where I just let them come and go and I've moved on to the next one and how can I make this this radio play with radio Two benefit you know the rest of my career which is I think is is healthy it's a good mindset to have because I'm driven but at the same time I didn't take a moment to sit there and be like all of this hard work is like that happened because of your hard work and and because of the the you know the the kind of the thing you're building for yourself and and since having uh since having Carolina she's definitely been more inclined for me to be like let's chill the fuck out let's go out for dinner yes, well done yes, you know even when in when the the TEDx talk came along um I was mostly terrified for the whole experience and she was like you need to realize how big this is and celebrate it because you've done something that not many people get the chance to do um and you know it, I'm not saying we celebrate in massive ways but we went to the pub and had Domino's pizza and it yeah, felt great absolutely <laughs> and you know that's the thing that I see a lot in in Marie and Lorenzo is that there's always this constant sensation for artists to keep working like they never stop and if they stop they feel guilty because they're not doing something for their music um mainly like whether it is usually it's admin things you know and then they get frustrated because they cannot create like you know it's just this continuous mindset of i cannot have time off i cannot Mm. stop uh so i and they are you know incredible and i look up at them and i'm like yeah but now let's stop Let's go to Pizza Union and celebrate, <laughs> you know, the fact that you got played somewhere or that, you know, we organized a release party and that's it. And for one night, it's fine not to talk about strategies and what to do <laughs> And I feel that's so important. And, and uh, when building up your team, uh, I think, find people that are on the same wavelength. And it may sound so cheesy and so... Um, you know cliche but really find that so no one will ever believe in your project as much as you do this is the first truth find someone that is quite close to it and you know even if they are starting out even if they are you know having a small network of people in the industry if someone loves your project almost as much as you do that's what makes the difference in the end, it's not the directory of contacts, you know, it's having someone beside you that is believing in you as much as you do. And this is like an advice that I can give because then, you know, it becomes natural, you know, it's just the way you will work with that person. It's so empowering. And, you know, I am so grateful that Maria and Lorenzo gave a shot on me, you know, the day that they were like, will you be my manager, you know, like, mm-hmm. will you be acting on my behalf? Will you showcasing me in the industry? You know, like, will our names be connected under a brand? And that's when, you know, core management as a platform started. That was a big step, you know, and they bet on me. And, you know, as I'm growing their career, they're growing mine. It's a mutual working together. And I feel that, when starting out, this is so important because that's what makes the difference and that's what makes it fun, you know? And so really choose choose well who's working with you and 
you know, even if they are starting out, but if they are very driven and very passionate, then they will that will likely translate into a successful business, you know, because you're all both of you working towards that goal. So do you have a um like a genre that you love working with more than others? Um so at the moment uh, both of uh, the artists are electronic uh, so I really like electronic music but very different. So uh, Lorenzo is a producer, a future bass, a new garage, uh, multi-instrumentalist um so like very, you know, genre specific and Wild Marie is electronic but is dark pop electronic. Mm-hmm. Um I love working with different genre just because they have completely different universe so you know i'm learning so much and it's also so interesting to see how different culture works you know music cultures and what how the dynamics change how the relationships change it's so interesting um so i really love electronic music in whatever form um but at the moment i'm also starting to help um kind of a cyberpunk uh old female and gender non-conforming band was amazing uh so and and that was you know another another moment of my life where i was like okay i have avo and i love working for avo so much and it's you know full-time job and then i have lorenzo and marie taking so much time and you know i'm not taking any other artists on because i cannot do that uh but then when i saw them live i was like again feeling that you know, mm-hmm. little fire work in the guts. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not um, gender. Gender. Sorry, genre specific. <laughs> uh, that, that was an interesting lapsus. Um, but um, but yeah, as far as it communicates with me. And for instance, with Marie, I I was already into that music. But for Lorenzo, I didn't know anything about underground electronic scene in London, and he taught me so much like he gave me so many tools that then I could use to develop my profile within the scene um so yeah I just I just love learning it's it, it's what I love the most about this job I have to say it's it's very very exciting to to hear you talk about how passionate you are about your artists and <laughs> and your own company that you're growing you know and it's don't know, it just feels heartwarming you've you've said a lot of stuff today that makes me feel as an artist that I'm doing the right thing and it's also give me a little bit more confidence in some of the things that other artists ask me you know I think it's so easy to always be giving out the same advice to the, to the artist like you have to build slowly think about this longevity do something fun but it's so nice when you just hear someone else say something and also things that I haven't heard you know it's and I've just, I'm really, I really admire how much drive that you have. Thank I mean, you. just to find yourself that one opportunity while still working at a coffee shop, whilst putting on nights at the, oh, was it? I wrote it down, Zipper Blatt. And all of these things, all these things that just fallen into place. But I'm not really a believer of um, letting things come to you. I'm a massive believer of going out there and doing your own thing. And yeah. The whole of your journey and story is based around the fact that you went out and did it. And I think that that's what really pulls people um, apart in the industry. All the people that I meet that make a real difference are because they've gone and done something for themselves and they're not sitting around waiting for it to happen to them. And 
I think that's such a powerful message to send to to new artists and just to really like drum in like this is going to be a long time this is going to take a really yeah. long time you know no thank you so much for for your words obviously I'm I'm, I'm blushing but <laughs> um but it is like and you know I, I work on a daily basis with I interact on a daily basis with so many artists and you know sometimes I give workshops as well uh and it really it ultimately is that is a hard work and you need to be honest with yourself and you need to you know work towards goal and stop if needed if you need to develop certain things and just you know be resilient in that and it's not a bad thing and um i feel that that's that's the best advice that you can give to independent artists is just like really sit down be honest where you want to be how you're going to do that and where do you need to work towards it's going to take a long time yes are you okay with that yes can you find someone to help that would be awesome <laughs> and like just moved on onwards and do that um and then obviously i want to shout out uh you know especially for you know, the Music Managers Forum has been crucial in my career because they've been so loving and so welcoming and so supportive. And so, like, as a manager, uh, if there's any, you know, independent managers out there, find your community as well because I, I can feel things are changing, people are sharing, people are, you know, more willing to teach, you know, and advise uh, on other people. So... For me, you know, the MMF, it's been incredible on that because it's been, you know, my go-to. It still is my go-to platforms where I need to learn someone, something. And a lot of managers are more than willing to reach out and have a chat and, you know, just have a bit of mentoring. So, you know, I it's true I did a lot of this by myself, but I also, as said, had the luck to find very inspiring people on the on, mm. on the journey. And they they you know, ultimately, they are also part of me now, you know, because they've made a difference. So, yeah, just shout out to them and um, and to, to Lorenzo and Marie, who, who trusted me, and to Josh, who taught me what management is, you know, and how I did it, not always right, you know, back then. And it's, you know, it's it's a journey. So, you know, it's good to, to get out there. Until you don't get out there and do things, you don't know, you don't learn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just start doing things and things will unfold. It's and you, you said something as well that I wrote a note down um, at the beginning of this, of this recording. Um, you said that there was a new, uh, there's, you said, I can't remember how you said it, but you were talking about um, the awards show that you went to, yes. uh, meeting other managers. And you said a new generations of managers and I was really intrigued by that comment. So I wrote it down because I think it's really interesting to think about how much the music industry has changed and is changing. And really what a manager means maybe 20 years ago is maybe slightly different to what a manager means today. And managers, I imagine, have had to completely change the way they work because of the way the industry works. Yep. Now, where do you see the future of management Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, so definitely. Um, so as a manager, there's not a single task that I don't do. It's like, it's not only having business talks and talk about strategy and how to lend a deal. It's literally 
everything. And I feel that um, this is something that a lot of managers are experiencing. You know, you're like photographer, videographer, uh, graphic designer, promoter, booking agent, uh, coach, a vocal coach, <laughs> even if you don't <laughs> sing, like you know, it's a, a, a plethora of roles that you, you cover on a daily basis. Um, but uh, I see it changing in, in a way that, as I as I mentioned briefly, like also artists are becoming more empowered. So I see more and more artists and managers actually work together, you know, on the project rather than having the manager taking over and being delegated on everything, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I see it to be more cooperative, and um, so I think it will still it still follow the trajectory of you know the managers has different heads, and it's no more just the deal maker, basically. Uh, but I also see it becoming more and more collaborative with the artists, so like co co leading the project with your artists, and I feel the conversation with artists is also more open now. You know, like it's more. Uh, well, I, I cannot really speak because I wasn't in the industry, you know, 20 years ago, not even 10 years ago. But um, from what I see, I feel that artists are more involved in the conversations, you know, and uh, also as a manager, like we are very trained on, you know, how to uh, look after the well-being of the artist and how, you know, to, um, you know, engage with them. And, you know, like, it's just more open. So I see that happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, for sure in the future like it's becoming more and more an horizontal uh, relationship rather than vertical um, I guess and and then the community like you know uh, I've met some legacy managers that you know Joe dropping and they are there to mentor and you know leave their legacy and advocacy behind um, no, behind sounds so badly I didn't want to say that like to to leave your legacy like to leave an imprint of your yeah. legacy of their what, legacy what kind of what kind of legacy managers are we talking about here like what who do who do they manage uh yeah so for instance i really look uh up to um da diane crawford no sorry uh diane oh jesus please cut this i am i'm, I'm really <laughs> bad with name don't worry uh, uh, Diane Wog, Diane okay. Wog, and then it's Joanne Crawford from Music Support. I mix and match names. Uh, Diane Wog from Deluxe Management. Uh, you know she's a she's a pillar of the management, especially you know in the as a female music manager, mm -hmm. and uh, she's so humble and so kind and so loving that you know when you look up at her, you're like, okay. If I am still a manager in some years, I definitely would like to be that person, you know, that always has a kind word, that always supports younger managers and that it's interested and has an advice. Um, and so Diane is uh, one of them. Uh, Paul Nostromo, uh, Paul Craig from Nostromo Management um, is another one, like just these, uh, you know, incredible managers uh, who are willing to share their knowledge with you and mm. and you know support you in your in your journey that's that's incredible um and then there's all the new managers so like my generations where we are you know doing everything independently with mm. no or very low budget so we share you know we support we share we meet up we have you know we share our networks we introduce each other people that we think we may 
work with or the other person may benefit from them like it's just really exciting because this is happening as well you know like managers getting together and working more together you should call call yourself something (laughs) like create some like management independent management union I don't know yeah (laughs) but it's it's very it's very very interesting and it's uh I don't know it's just kind of given me a little bit of a little bit of zazz, a little bit of hope in the management world that there's some there's some good people out there, you know, especially from the artist's perspective. I have had one or two experiences with management. I wouldn't say um, those experiences have been brilliant. I think there was there's times of brilliance for sure, but the relationship just didn't work out. And, you know, I just had to kind of say to myself, this is your career and it's not working. It's time to walk away. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that was a difficult call to make. And it was also quite emotionally fueled because when you work so closely with these people, you do build a relationship and it's, and actually leaving that relationship is emotional. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, you know, I remember uh, when, when I kind of texted Josh to say, okay, I cannot afford anymore to, to, to help Mm -hmm. you. You know, I took like, hours to write the text it was like a breakup text you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally so bad and and you know it's 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 a tough it's a tough one and um, as you said ultimately is your career and is your project and it's very healthy as well to do regular catch-ups and check-ins with your manager you know and see if you're still on the same page uh, because things may and can change you know like I always repeat this to my artists as well. Like it would break my heart if one day I won't be able to work with you anymore for, you know, a variety of reasons, but ultimately I want the best for you. And if the best for you is not working with me, it's fine. You know, like I'm really trying to keep that conversation going because you don't want people to feel tied up in something. That's the worst thing ever, you know? So, um, I think that's that's really important. Always have healthy conversations with people who are working with you. And obviously your friends, at some point you may become friends because you shared so much together, but it's also work. So it's very important to sometimes, yeah, do check-ins and check that those two aspects are separated. And on the, on the subject of work, obviously, I know you've mentioned before that you're not working for a profit at the moment. That's just not what you're in it for right now. But I have heard of many, many different management percentage splits across the years of working in the industry. Some feel quite standard. Some I've been quite shocked at how large the percentage is. Um, I was once in a meeting with someone that actually gets paid monthly by the artist. And I was just like, wow, this is this is crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like that you know that that kind of method of working didn't sit very well with me at all but yeah. I'd be very interested to know your point of view on, on the management split because obviously this is your job and eventually you're gonna hopefully see some return so what's uh where do you sit with that yeah absolutely so I think that in that sense things are changing and will change it and in my view that's how related to how the relationship between manager and artist is changing 
You know, sometimes I feel that I'm almost in a joint venture with my artists, you know, and that we're almost a tiny company and they are the CEO and I'm like the COO and making things happen. Um, so I am definitely interested in uh, when the times will come to explore alternative way of um, compensation. Um, and regarding the percentage, uh, so, you know, it's a lot of work. Like, definitely, it's a lot of work. And it's true that a lot of the work that a manager does is not really measurable, you know, because it's an ongoing work. It's like making things happen, nourishing relationships, um, making ends meet together to get to that moment, you know, and make that opportunity come up. There's a lot of behind the scenes, uh, which I think in, it, it becomes hard to, you know, put a number on it. Um, but I feel that it should be always not so big, as you may have seen in some deals. Like, you know, there are some templates that are approved by the MMF and the Future Artists Coalition and the Musician Unions. Like, you know, there are some thresholds that are widely accepted as fair on both sides. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, like, in the end, it's such a unique relationship that it can have unique structures mm -hmm. and you know if an artist is more comfortable in paying a service fee based you know mm -hmm. a manager that would work as well you know like i i'm not really closed on on that conversation because i i think mm -hmm. things are very dynamic and changing and as far as it's as fair as possible for both parties um it's it's really important and especially for a manager that is at the early stage when obviously, you know, it's very hard then to be retroactive or, you know, to explain that's a conversation you, you, sh you should want to have, you know, and say, you know, acknowledge what you did, why it was important, you know, measure it and, you know, take it from there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if this answered your question. No, but... it completely did. <laughs> it completely did. And before we uh, finish today, I'm going to ask, I could talk to you all day to begin oh, with, Corey. <laughs> you're doing some fabulous stuff and it's just lovely, really. I think you're very easy to talk to. And oh, thank you. you definitely um, feel like you are a part of a new generation of managers that actually feels really appealing to artists like me because, you know, you just kind of, you, you, I'm just kind of doing... I'm learning everything I need to learn because eventually one day I might want to release a full length album, you know, and yeah. I'm doing all these things, but it, it's, it's just so nice to talk to someone that's just so down to earth and has positivity in them. And yeah, I've just loved it. Thank you, Corey, so oh, much. No, thank you. Um, and, you know, if you if you ever want to have a chat about your project as well, and, you know, I would be more than glad to have a look at it and give you more advice yeah 110 percent. like I think I think that's what it's all about just like being open and realizing that if you're in if you're independent it doesn't mean you have to be on your own and absolutely be open to criticism be open to new direction um and yeah I'm, I'm learning a lot just by sitting here and talking to wonderful people um and yeah. I, I feel lucky that you know people like you were willing to to sit down and talk to me and um I'm going to finish with one last question now it's not as negative as it sounds everybody yeah. like everybody who has answered it are a little bit like oh god you know I don't want to say anything out of turn but I want you to give me a piece of advice that 
or something that you have to deal with on a daily basis, something that you wish artists didn't do? Hmm. Something the, I wish yeah. artists didn't do. So yeah. the, I think there are two things. Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, so uh, the first thing is um, be so tough with themselves and lose sight uh, that can be very dangerous and comparing themselves with other projects like that 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 can be very detrimental detrimental (laughs) yeah detrimental very negative (laughs) that can be very negative um so yeah i think that's the first thing uh i would advise artists to stop doing is be tough with themselves and compare themselves and then uh, sometimes don't forget that you're dealing with people, you know, as a manager should remember that an artist is a person. Artists should remember that people in the industry are people, human beings. So uh, my advice is really try and be kind, really try and, you know, have a conversation with people rather than just requesting. Uh, understand where does your request come from and how that person can actually help you um that that is another thing so to actually answer your question it would be don't rush into networking just for the sake of it but remember that we are all humans and so you know human social dynamics should be applied (laughs) even if you are via email is so important like email etiquette is such a thing and a couple of uh, about a week ago I spoke to a friend of mine called Simon Pursehouse who works at Centric mm-hmm. um, in Liverpool and um, I've got a fantastic relationship with those guys like they've done an incredible job for me and Sync over the years and he he just said to me like before you email a person you can look them up on social media. You can see what they've been up to recently, what football team they might support, what music they're into, and use all of these things to actually have a conversation. Like, do, yeah. don't just go all in, guns blazing. Like, can you please do this for me? Yeah, and I feel that that's something very important. Like, you know, generally, but um, and again, it really comes again to be patient and really understand who you are, what you need. What's good for you? Because, you know, I understand that you read, you know, so many blogs of things to do, things you need to look after. And you need to be on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. And you need to do the live stream and you need to raise money for a charity. And you need to, you know, there is so many things to do, but it doesn't mean that you need to do everything right now. So, you know, choose what's relevant to you and do your research before requesting something. Understand if what you're requesting, it makes sense right now where you're at um, and just you know hold off because you know it's just better to wait and really reach out to someone when it it makes sense rather than just doing it for the sake of doing it so that's that's a bit my advice um, both as an artist and, and a manager you know like and, and a professional in general like always remember that people are people and you know maybe it's not cool to reach out on personal social media or you know uh, pestering on a Sunday night you know like it's just you know it's just you know uh, common sense but sometimes it gets lost a bit because you are in this rush in this you know running 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 and you know you need to keep it moving 
but actually it's good to, to stop and to respect people stopping. Allow yourself to say that you screwed it up. You know, allow yourself to say that you made a mistake. You know, it's fine to make mistakes. I made so many mistakes, you know, with Marie, with Lorenzo, and, you know, I'm still making them and it's fine. Like, because one thing that obviously we don't know are failures, you know, we just know about the very good things, but there are many tough things happening in, in behind the scenes and everyone goes through them. So I just want to leave this message also to artists that, you know, may be overwhelmed by messages and posts and, you know, uh, showcases of continuous success. It's not what happens, you know, like it's, it's fine to make mistakes. People make mistakes, managers make mistakes, artists make mistakes. And, you know, I had so many mistakes made but I learned from them. And every time I do one, it means that I won't do it again because, you know, it hurts. So like just it's normal to make mistakes. And, you know, we don't show failures enough. Uh, and I would really like to change it. And that was a bit when I opened the website of core management, it was more like I want to open a blog and talk about all the gigs where it was just me, guys and the sound engineer in the room, but she still performed as if there were a hundred people in front of her. How valuable was that conversation? I mean, as an artist myself, I'd never considered the fact that there is a new generation of managers out there. Now I've really thought about it, it completely makes sense because the music industry has completely changed. You know, gone are the days where a manager will come in and completely change your career instantly. I mean, unless you're signed to a major deal and you're given one or, you know, or you're in a different world, but in the independent music world, I think that a relationship with the manager is, you know, it's really, it's a two-way relationship between, between you both. As an artist, you still need to be able to, you know, do all the legwork and know your shit. And a manager's gonna come in and help you with that shit and help you figure out that long game plan so you're not so alone you know and I can I'd completely not even thought about that and everything that Corey was saying was completely correct you know there's not a lot of money in music anymore especially for an artist so how is a manager going to do that and if you're listening to this podcast and you have a manager that's taking a percentage from you and nothing is really happening I think you really need to to reassess that is now the right time that you have one or maybe you should be having a bit you know more open conversations with that manager it's a really really complicated area and if there's anything any concerns that you might have with a manager or people that are trying to manage you or getting in touch just drop me a dm send me an email you know voice it to someone else because what you're doing essentially is building one of the most personal relationships with somebody and if it's not going right I would say to cut that tie off you know and uh, yeah just always come back to the, the question of is now the right time somebody once told me that when I was um, when I was really young I was maybe I think I was 21 or 22 and a relationship that I was having with a manager um, at that time, not the romantic one, but you know what I mean. Um, it wasn't really working, and then another guy said to me, "Do you know what? I just don't think, I don't think you're ready for a manager yet." And at the time, I was really offended by that, as if to think that I wasn't ready for being a serious musician. But 
I don't think that's what he meant at all. I think he meant this person might not be right for you right now and you might not be right for him either. And yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing. If you've enjoyed today's episode all about management, please let me know. Share it with other independent artists that are having problems with managers or considering managers and they just need, you know, a little bit more uh, info or encouragement. Subscribe to the podcast, please let other people know that it exists and please follow Baby Woman Records everywhere. If you're into what we're doing, we've got loads more good stuff coming, more podcast episodes, more Q&As, more merchandise. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.